Welcome to ABC Cafe. I'm your host, Anthony Apodaca. This episode is part two of our two-part miniseries following Burlington's BDS proposal in September. The first episode, called Burlington, Palestine, and Israel, featured two rabbis, David Edelson and Jan Saltzman, on why they oppose Burlington's resolution and also BDS. In this episode, I'm joined by Liz Blum and Kathy Shapiro. Liz is on the steering committee of Jewish Voice for Peace, Vermont, New Hampshire. She's also former director of the Vermont Committee on Southern Africa and worked on previous boycott and divestment campaigns against apartheid South Africa in the mid-1980s. Kathy is a Palestinian solidarity activist and former international public worker, as well as a member of Jewish Voice for Peace. While our conversation did touch on Burlington's resolution, I did ask them to come on the show for a slightly broader conversation, namely, why should the people of Vermont and their elected leaders care about this issue at all? Can local and state action make a difference? Is BDS rooted in anti-Semitism, as we heard so many people claim at the Burlington City Council meeting? What are the similarities between BDS and the boycott and investment strategy to end South African apartheid? Liz and Kathy share a wealth of knowledge and experience, and I hope you enjoy listening to them as much as I did interviewing them. And without any further delay, here is my interview with Liz Blum and Kathy Shapiro. Liz Blum and Kathy Shapiro, welcome to ABC Cafe. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting us, Anthony. Thank you very so, much. <clears throat> so I um, I will have set this up in the intro already, but you know the context here is that I think Palestine, Israel have become front and center in in Vermont in a way that it hasn't been in the past. Um, but I want to actually start because you're both members of JVP, which is Jewish Voice for Peace. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that organization and the local chapter in or the local chapter in Vermont, New Hampshire. Sure. Um, Jewish Voice for Peace is a national organization that was started in 1996 in San Francisco and um, has become a national organization since uh, um, of many anti-Zionist, pro-BDS, boycott, divestment, and sanction, Jews and non-Jews. So we started our Vermont chapter about two and a half years ago, although many of us were already members of Jewish Voice for Peace and active in it because we wanted to do more things locally and we wanted to organize and build our chapter because partly because we felt that things were moving, that there's more movement and that there are more Jews who don't feel an allegiance to Zionism or Israel. Kathy, do you want to add anything? Um, Just that, um, Yeah, I I was a member of JVP National for quite a long time and also um, one of its precursor organizations, which was American Jews for a Just Peace, um, which combined to be part of JVP from the East Coast. Um, But also um, I worked with Vermonters for Justice in Palestine um, for the past 15 years, and we really felt the need for a Jewish voice in Vermont that could counter a lot of the things that 
people in the Jewish community were saying, particularly intimating that um, certain of them represented the Jewish community of Vermont and that there are different voices of Jews in Vermont, not just um, those who are religious or belong to synagogues and have um, a great belief in the, in the state of Israel. So, right. So I wanted to start off really discussing, I guess, the most basic fundamental question, which is, you know, why should anybody in Vermont care at all about Israel and Palestine? Um, when we were listening to some of the public commentary or the the public comments in the um, Burlington City Council meeting, a, a lot of the um, comments uh, against the particular resolution had to do with, you know, why are we even discussing this? We have a... Um, we have a crime, we have a problem with the police, we have a problem with water pollution, we have, you know, we have things locally to solve. So I guess, you know, in your work, like, why, why should it matter at all to anybody living in Chittenden or Addison County or wherever to even bother themselves one way or the other about what's happening uh, in the Middle East? Go ahead, Kevin. Well, I mean... Um, I think you're asking, uh, as you know, a, a pretty. Even though people ask this question, it it um, it has very little merit. I think why why should the United States of America, which has bases all over the entire globe, care about U.S. foreign policy? Question <laughs> mark. I mean, it's it's our money. It is um, the fact that we are all over the world with our military is um, makes makes us. That is one of the ways in which um, we are completely globalized, and we give more money to the state of Israel and military aid, four billion dollars a year at least probably much more in, in all kinds of other ways, um, to support a state that calls itself a democracy but doesn't act that way. That is money that comes out of all Vermonters' pockets, millions of dollars every year, specifically from Vermont, from Chittenden County, from, from Washington County where I live. It's money that could go into the kinds of services that people mentioned that we need to pay attention to in Vermont. So that's the number one reason. I mean, it's, yeah. I also think that um, all this money of ours, it's our tax dollars, that given to Israel is supposed to be speaking in our name. And it's not, you know, I don't want to be complicit with what is now openly acknowledged to be apartheid in Israel. And mm -hmm. we are by international organizations. Uh, and I, you know, we organized Vermonters who really cared about apartheid. It took a while, but we did in South Africa and we educated people about South Africa. And I, another reason is that I think a lot of non-Jewish people assume that if you're Jewish, you're a Zionist and you support the state of Israel. And it's really important for me personally for pe people to know that I don't support the state of Israel the way it is and that it's okay for non-Jews 
to criticize Israel as well. Right. You mentioned South Africa, and um, could you maybe discuss a little bit of, of your role in that campaign in Vermont before we move on to Israel? Because I think that's, um, that's, that's an important part of the, of the history here and the precedent that, that is set. And it's related to the question I ask of, you know, why should we care about this? Um, okay. uh, in 1984, uh, many of us supported the first time that Je Jesse Jackson ran for president. And right after the election, uh, some of us decided to form the Vermont Committee on Southern Africa. And what we did was there was a new biennium in the state legislature, and we found three uh, members of the House who wanted to support a state divestment bill. The state has pension funds. It has um, Vermont state employees, Vermont teachers and other funds that were invested in South Africa. And by the second year of the biennium, we did get the state to divest. But we also wanted other organizations and institutions to divest. And we really did a lot of education then. Of course, it's not that easy now because of COVID. But we mm -hmm. went all over, we spoke at colleges, we brought South Africans up, um, students, and there were South African students at Dartmouth, um, at UVM, the students built shanty, a shanty on the green. Uh, the engineering students made, uh, constructed a wood stove themselves. And, and there were shanties on a lot of college campuses as well. Uh, so we organized students too. And um, there, were, there were divestments at UVM and the state colleges and many other institutions. And, you know, we had those victories because we organized. Mm -hmm. And so let's, do you see when the, the opposition, um, you know, can you describe the opposition that you faced in, the, in those days? Um, and if there's, you see any parallels in the opposition that, that the, the movement faces now against, well, uh, with Palestine? Of, one of the arguments was always, oh, you'll be hurting the black workers if you do that. <laughs> right. But, yeah, yeah. Then you'll be hurting the profits of American corporations. And there, there was something called the Sullivan Principles that were made up by an um, African-American minister named Leon Sullivan, which was kind of an intermediate uh, program to, uh, to have divestment only from companies that didn't adhere to a certain set of criteria that Leon Sullivan um, had, had uh, said that he wanted, you know, like hiring more black workers and, uh, paying them better. And this was American companies. And um, we felt that any kind of collaboration uh, with South Africa made us complicit. The same way I feel like American companies who are operating in Israel and in the occupied Palestinian territories are complicit and are, are cooperating with 
the Israeli government in our name. So um, anyway, some states, Connecticut, for example, passed the Sullivan Principles, and that was always brought up. But we did not want Sullivan Principles. We wanted complete divestment. Mm-hmm. Another argument was, oh, it would help, it would hurt the state pension funds, or, you know, it would hurt our investments. Um, and we we had to show that it wouldn't hurt our investments, just like now, that it won't hurt investments if we divest from fossil fuels, if we divest from um, American companies doing business in Israel, such as Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. The occupied Palestinian territories. So for our, for our listeners who might not be familiar, um, can you, uh, what is BDS specifically? And could you, could you give us a little bit of context for how you came to support it? Are you pointing at, um, pointing at Kathy? Pointing at me. <laughs> um, BDS is is a nonviolent um, movement that was created in Palestine um, by Palestinian activists, um, and it is backed by virtually every civil society Palestinian organization. There is 170 organizations, um, unions, academics. Uh, professionals, cultural people, workers of all kinds, um, women's rights organizations, etc. And um, they they are asking that everyone globally, that everything they have done to try to gain equal rights in the land that they have lived in for almost a millennia um, has failed. And this is a nonviolent attempt to get the world to pressure the government of Israel to comply with international law and do three things. Um, One is to end the military occupation of Palestine, take down the wall, um, and end the colonization of all, all Arab lands within the state, which is called Israel-Palestine. The second is recognizing the fundamental rights of Arab-Palestinian citizens to full citizenship. Yes, they can vote, but there are 50 different laws, more than that now, which discriminate against them. All of the Palestinian citizens of Israel um, who are almost as numerous as Israelis, live on 3% of the land on that side of the 1948 border. They're restricted from living in many parts of Israel. There's all kinds of restrictions on them. That is the second point. And the third is respecting and promoting the right of return for Palestinian refugees, which is congruent with UN Resolution 194 and with the Fourth Geneva Convention. So it's those three things. It's basically complying with international law and complying with what a democracy is supposed to be, giving equal rights and justice to all people living within that country. And until that happens, that People all over the world should engage in boycotts of Israel, not support anything, not just of, is not necessarily 
individual Israeli citizens, but all companies that profit from the occupation that are Israeli, all um, all Israeli state organizations, all the universities, all of which contribute research and um, and collaborate very closely with the Israeli government and the military. Um, it means also boycotting cultural institutions. Um, so asking artists not to perform in Israel um, and um, etc. Et not having um, not having um, cultural exchanges between Israeli institutions that are supported by the state and institutions in other countries. Boycotting sports. Boycotting. Um, boycotting uh, everything that will force the Israeli government to see what is really true, that most of the world thinks Israel needs to change its, um, its position with regard to Palestinians and start talking about real justice. Um, so that's that's boycott. Divestment is what Liz was talking about, getting, getting our money, pension plan money, bank monies, all kinds of funds out of the state of Israel. And the third is government sanctions, which we're, um, you know, the United States is currently imposing all over the world. I mean, look at the sanctions it's decided to impose on Cuba for cruelly for untold decades and Iran and China and Russia and other countries. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're asking we're asking countries all over the world to mm -hmm. support this. Not we, the Palestinians are asking this. And so we are very much in support of that as a non as nonviolent methods to achieve peace and justice for um, Palestinians and Israelis. And by the way, Jewish Voice for Peace didn't just say we support boycott, divestment, and sanctions. We were asked by the Palestinians. We let them lead the way. Right. But they didn't, they also did not support BDS for quite a while. It took them a while mm -hmm. to support it. Um, so because, because they were a Jewish organization and um, there were people who had reservations about the damage this could do to the only Jewish state. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's I talk. Let's talk about the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did, no, no. I uh, Jewish Voice for Peace has undergone a lot of changes, and and I don't think they're like that at at all, because I don't think I would belong to it if they weren't. Um, and, and well, I do want to say one other thing is that you know one of the myths that we've been told is that there were no Palestinians, there are Arabs and they're, you know, for many years they were called, they weren't even called officially Palestinians, the people who are from Palestine, they were called Arabs. And there are uh, Jews from the Middle East who consider themselves Arabs too. But also it was, it, we, you know, we were always being told there was really no one there. It was a land without people. But really, it is people with a land and with a, a, a thousand year, thousand year, more than thousand year history there. It's been continually inhabited. 
Yeah, so the the saying goes, um, uh, uh, people, what is it? Uh, people without a, I'm gonna have to edit this part out till I land, remember. A land, a land without people <laughs> for, for people, people without, without a land. land. There yeah. it is. <laughs> and, yeah. And Theodore Theodore Herzl went to Israel and um, he wrote back to his supporters. One of the one of the first um, most successful um, proponents of Zionism. He wrote back and saying saying. Um, uh the, something like the land is beautiful um but the bride is already married <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah. yeah that i mean it's a, it was a constructed narrative purely fabrication um i, I and I, I you mentioned the uh, well, one of you uh, mentioned the jewish state and and the the hesitancy maybe for for jvp to endorse bds on, on that account and I, I didn't, you know, I think it's important to address the the real concerns here. And I'm, I'm going off script a little bit, but when you have the when you have the right of return, let's just take that and that that's one piece of the puzzle here. And the other side of the puzzle is you have a, a self declared Jewish state for the Jewish people. You know, those two things, for example, I don't think are easily reconciled. So, you know, what do you say to people who have that fear that it basically, well, if we if we incorporate, for example, if there is a one state solution, we incorporate Gaza, we make we make we make the whole from the from the from the Mediterranean to the to the Jordan River, you know, one state, people have the right of return and full citizenship that it immediately ceases to become a state that is, you know, a, Major- a, ma- a majority Jewish state, exactly, and I think it's important to call that out and not just kind of you know let it let it go under the wayside there. But you know, what what is your response to that? Where where would they you know people since 1948 have been talking about a two state solution? Any opportunity there was for a two two state solution has gone by a long time ago. I'm not I'm not saying what I think is the solution, what I think is the reality. And I think Kathy agrees with this is there's no place for two states because Israel keeps building new settlements and the settlements in the West Bank are surrounding Palestinian villages and taking away their livelihood and they have um it's it's very racist. They have separate roads. They have a wall. They uh, they don't have equal rights. And it looks and, like Swiss cheese. It's not like a border, like steadily moving in a direction. It's 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 very intentionally carved out in certain certain um, parameters. Well, that's exactly what the South African regime did um, in under apartheid. They, and that's why this is called apartheid, because there are, they had what they called homelands. And that is where you had to live officially if, you know, according to um, your um, nation, so-called nationality or right. your, your tribe. Reservations. They were reservations. And I... I that I think it's the same thing in Israel. They even have tunnels 
and cable cars from its settlements to get to Jerusalem. That and they they don't have checkpoints. Palestinians have checkpoints as well. And Gaza is the world's uh, largest open air prison. Well, I I think um, um, you were Anthony asking about basically what people call the demographic threat. Um, Exactly. In original question, um, if Palestinian refugees are allowed to return, they'll overwhelm the number of Jews um, who are in Israel, Palestine. And, and they are, you know, the, the, the numbers of Palestinians and and Jews are basically pretty equal at this point in time, which is why it's so important for the state to prevent um, family reunification. If you happen to live in the West Bank, but you have someone you want to marry who lives in East Jerusalem, the Israeli government will not allow that. They don't want more Palestinian babies um, because they want those numbers to be in favor of um, the Jewish state. But I think the real question here is how can an ethnographic state that privileges Jews over all other ethnic groups be a democracy. And Israel calls itself, and we call Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East. And, and that's an impossible conundrum. Um, it's, um, it, it, it can't be. You cannot have laws that prevent um, people of one ethnic group or culture or race to, to do one thing, but um, the dominant culture, which happens to be white European Jewish Ashkenazi culture, um, running everything. And to do that, to actually do that, what you have to do is continually restrict movement, rights, yeah. um, the mm -hmm. legal population of refugees, and so on. Um, you need so massive social engineering projects and and propaganda campaigns to go along with it in order in order to to keep that that charade up, I suppose. Yeah, it, and it is a charade. Israel is not a democracy under these these conditions. It's mm -hmm. just not so. Um, it, I think it's something that um, that also the way the way the land has been encroached upon in so many different ways, as Liz was describing, um, it's it, it's something else that argues for one democratic state and Jews may not be in control of everything all the time, um, but. It, Otherwise, the uh, the only alternative is walls, barbed wire, constant killing, um, the making up of stories to go along with the necessity for this and and really becoming a pariah by the rest of the world, which is happening whether the United States agrees with BDS or not and right. tries to make it illegal or not. You, you know, one other argument that we got during the um, anti-apartheid movement, you know, to give the uh, elections, to make it uh, one country, we, we were always told, you know, but the blacks aren't ready to govern and they won't, you know, it'll just devolve into, into a brutal war, a civil war. And it didn't. And I think that I don't hear that articulated quite as much about Palestine, but I I do think that that is what people think that you know if 
the Palestinians have equal rights. You know, they they're just going to kill Jews or, you know, you do they, hear they, that they, argument. And, and, and actually, on, I don't believe that. I no, don't. Yeah. Believe that. And I mean, I, I don't think Kathy does either. And m- many people do. And I, you know, and one of the obstacles is we're always being told, yeah, but what about Hamas? And, you know, the Israelis are lucky they have Hamas to, you know, blame everything on and to make people think that, you know, their Hamas are terrorists. They don't even, they don't really have weapons. They have nothing but their bodies. I mean, they do have missiles, but, and, you know, I don't support terrorism. JVP doesn't support terrorism. But there, you know, there's a big new youth movement of Palestinians that that really want to change things. And I also want to point out that in the United States Congress, there is a bill that was uh, sponsored by Betty McCollum, and it's co-sponsored by Peter Welch, our state, our um, U.S. representative our member of Congress, called um, No Way to Treat a Child. And, you know, in, initially it just had a few sponsors, and now it's up to 26. So things are changing. People, the, the language is actually changing. There are openings. One one last little point on the demographic threat question, um, because... This, the, the, and allow me to play devil's advocate for just one second, which because this is this is the argument that that you know we hear, like, look, the Jewish people have had it rough, thousands of years. They haven't had a home. There was the Holocaust. They've suffered, and they finally found one state to have their own in this little corner of the world. Can't they have one little state in the corner of the world? And and it sounds like what you're saying is absolutely not <laughs> because the cost of that is is detrimental to to other populations i mean i just want to te- i want to clarify what we're, what we're talking about here on that point i i mean really anthony <laughs> um uh why don't we give them manhattan um <laughs> it's uh sure who's whose home should they take um should they take your home, my home? No, they took the Palestinian homes and um, and claimed the Bible as their real estate document. Um, uh, you know that that um, taking land. Um, I mean, the uh, the Jews who engineered the move, the Zionists who engineered the move to mandate Palestine were settler colonialists from Europe. And um, do we support that? Um, There are other ways to deal with people who have been um, subjected to all kinds of horrors and uh, through throughout time and um and we need to we need i mean we like germany could paid reparations to jews um it's um there are many other things that could have been done this has been done jews are now in what was mandate palestine until 1948 so 
it's it's there. But to say, can't can't the Jews have a home somewhere? Yeah, they look to take over part of Uganda. They look to take over, um, I forget which South American country. It was Somewhere. Argentina, if I'm not mistaken. Argentina, God. Um, <laughs> and um, um, no, the Zionists felt that the biblical connection to the Middle East was very strong and would gain them the kind of um, currency they needed to succeed in this effort. Um, I, but I, I think that question is absolutely, um, uh, to ask that question is, um, it, it just shows complete disregard for, um, for the way the state of Israel came into being. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and the fact that it displaced eight, seven, eight hundred thousand Palestinians and imprisoned the rest for twenty years, and now has imprisoned in Gaza and the West Bank millions more. Well, don't forget that there are um, thousands of Palestinians living in Jordan. And, thousands, and, millions, millions, and and in uh, in refugee camps in Lebanon. And there are many Palestinians who live in the United States as well. But, but one other thing about the Holocaust, I don't think you can use the Holocaust anymore. That, that's history. And you can't do things to Palestinians that might seem like things that were done to Jews. You know, Palestinians are the pariah. Jews were the pariah. And... Um, you know, the, the Europeans, first of all, Hitler was very happy to have the Jews go to Palestine. And um, Herzl was happy to help them with that. And after World War II, the Europe was stuck with this, this Jewish population that had survived the war because Jews did survive. And they were really happy to get rid of Jews and they felt guilty about it. They didn't want to deal with it. So what greater solution than to have them go to Israel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, Kathy, I didn't ask that question because I, I believe it, but it's something that we well, I, 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 want to, I want to address, you know. you know, head on. Well, you wanted to ask it on behalf of, of people who were asking it. I, I think it's a... Um, uh, that question should not really be entertained. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's well, here, a, here's uh, another question. There's, there's a term for that, actually, um, for using the Holocaust. It's called Holocaustia. Holocaustia? Yeah. So uh, speaking of um, questions that are um, hard to entertain sometimes, I think we should let's pivot the conversation to um, accusations of anti-Semitism and BDS. Um, we had talked about this before, and um, I think you know two parts I want to address here. One, one is the the leveling of the accusation directed at BDS, and and two is the, the around the definition of anti-Semitism and how we've come to understand it, and how you understand it uh, as well. So. Um... I, I see absolutely nothing in in um, the goals of BDS um, as anti-Semitic. 
And I think to accuse people who support Palestinian rights, which should be the same as the rights of all people all over the world, a right to a home and shelter and and land, and a right not to have land taken from them and to be ruled by others without representation. Um, I, I, you know, I think to cast that as anti-Semitism is, um, is very dis- ingenuous. And this is how it happened. Um, Really, um, around 2010-2011, people in Israel realized that, in fact, um, that that what was going on around the world in terms of the view of Israel and how it was treating Palestinians was was a process of delegitimization, they said, of of the state of Israel. And they said the only way, I mean, this is official um, Israeli government thinking and planning. The only way to counter this is to say that to criticize the state of Israel basically is is the same thing as anti-Semitism basically saying that Israel is a state of the Jews. Israel is a Jewish state. Now, I mean, from from for centuries, anti-Semitism was defined as hatred or violence against Jews because they are Jews. And that's the typical anti-Semitism that we dealt with up until the First World War and pretty much after the First World War as well. But Israel then in in 2011 they they put together a commission along with um, along with a an Israeli think tank and they decided to form um, to elaborate a new definition which became what we have today which is the um, definition put forward by the International Holocaust Rem- Remembrance Alliance, the IHRA. That is a definition that Israel and the EU then pushed on governments all over the world, many of which, even in the United States, really objected to it. And that definition basically does equate um, anti-Semitism with uh, criticism of the state of Israel. They put out a paper elaborating something called the three Ds, the demonization of Israel, the double standards, which unfairly single out Israel for criticism um, compared to other countries that also deserve criticism and and delegitimization. And um, they created uh, the European Monitoring Center on Racism and Xenophobia. And they pushed this definition in Europe on European governments. And basically- The State uh, Department adopted it as well. The U.S. State Department State adopted Depart- it. Yes, they have that. It. Yes, they have adopted it against, against the, um, the advice of people within the State Department who said, no, this, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, anyone is allowed to criticize the government of their country or another country if, if they are living in a democracy. So, um, so now, now people are able to take for granted, especially Zionists who want to believe this and use it against activists who are 
um, who are working for Palestinian rights accuse them of anti-Semitism. And I, I it it is um, it really it, it's not um, impossible that there aren't some anti-Semites among Palestinians, Arabs, people who who work for Palestinian solidarity. But overall, that is absolutely not the case. And the um, the goals of BDS are for equal citizenship in in what was what is Palestine Israel now. It's got nothing to do with obliterating the Jews and um, and destroying a Jewish homeland. It, Israel can be Israel whatever whatever country ends up coming out of this can be a state that that gives equal rights and safety for Jews and Palestinians. Um, well, that not- that's the sleight of hand, right? It's the it's the BDS is calling for the destruction of Israel and then wait for it as a Jewish state. So when you add on that blast bit as a Jewish state, that actually might be the dissolvement of of Israel as a partic- as a particular and specifically Jewish state. But what BDS you're you're talking also that though. Well, I mean, like what, that's why I linked the argument about the demographic shift, right? So, mm-hmm. but what what you're saying is. Um, if there is a single state that is democratic and give gives equal rights to all people, it's not going to be specifically a Jewish state, but it does not no. mean the destruction no. of Jewish self-determination or Jewish identity in any way. Yeah. Well, yeah. impede Jewish identity. I mean, you know, Jews can be Jews. I'm, I'm a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> I can bet I'm not an Israeli Jew, although I could be. That's another thing that's unequal. A I mean, Palestinian can't go to Palestine and become go to Israel, Palestine, and become an, um, yeah. an Israeli. Although one fifth of the population of inside Israel are right now are Palestinians. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, some of the biggest Zionists, by the way, are Christians. And a lot of Christians in this country. Yeah. Um, well, that's a that's a whole other topic to go down. Okay. But All right. Let's, let's steer clear of okay. Christian Zionism for the moment. <laughs> okay. Well, I I just I I wanted to say that I think in some ways a better um, a better uh, comparison to um, to a one state solution or to majority rule whatever that is uh-huh yeah um, is 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 Ireland northern Ireland and the republic of Ireland and um it's uh, you know and there there is in fact there's a lot of solidarity between the Irish and Palestinians because they understand exactly the the settler colonialism that um that the um the irish suffered when the english invaded pretty much in the in the 17th century um but it's it's very interesting and right now i mean that peace agreement the belfast agreement has held and now is a time when people in ireland because of brexit are really looking seriously at reunification and one state and um it's 
it's just, um, I, I think that we need to look at what's happening in Ireland and what did happen and how that country was much better off with, um, with equal rights being given to both Catholics and Protestants in, you know, unionists and, and Republicans. Right. And, um, you know, when you, when you look at mandate Palestine, um, there were Jews living all over in the Middle East and in Palestine for centuries, and they got along very, very well until the project of Zionism began infiltrating into Palestine. Yeah. And they can get along again. It's not impossible. Yeah, I will clarify that um, I didn't mean to imply that BDS calls for a one-state solution. I was just addressing the um, the perceived demographic threat and the kind of jumping of conclusions by by Zionists to say, you know, if this, then that. Now there's no state of, you know what I mean? That kind of yeah. that that yeah. kind of argument that that we hear. Um, Liz, sorry, did you want to say anything on that point? Otherwise, um, great. I did want to just point out for people, if you feel like reading it, I don't know if you've read this, Kathy, um, but uh, Ali Abunima um, has an article. This is from 2013, but I read it a couple months ago. You were talking about Ireland. It's just titled um, A Northern Ireland Solution for Palestine, and it specifically addresses the Belfast Agreement and how uh, Israel could... Um, fulfill the demands of BDS or how BDS could be realized under, you know, within that framework, um, which is not saying a one state solution or a two state solution wholesale. So if anyone wants to read that, I'll put a link in the show notes. I found it pretty interesting when I, it's from 2013, but I, it's, it, it just, I, I recalled it as you were speaking well, you know, I was, it's interesting. I was just looking at his book, The Battle for Justice in Palestine, which is, I think, one one of, which is, was published right after that. And I'm sure his chapter on Ireland is what you read. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so um, I, yeah, I, I think it is one of the best and most even-handed books on, on the struggle for for justice, really. Um, what not, can you repeat not, the title for people? It, it's called "The Battle for Justice in Palestine" by Ali Abu Nima, and um, I mean, there's there's so many good books by Israeli historians, Palestinian historians. Um, if you want, if there are notes for references. I mean, we can give you some. Yeah, we um, can put, I put some show notes so when people see it on the web or on their phone, they can see the links for, for all the things. So I'll put a couple myself. Um, yeah. So we can, um, afterwards, we can email you some things or text you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to clarify too, Anthony, I, I was not accusing you of asking um uh a question oh that's fine that i, I was that i was critic criticizing <laughs> um i know you're you're asking it to to create a dialogue but um but i just think there's there's some questions that almost don't deserve an answer i mean because um yeah I mean, well, it's difficult, it's, but here we are. I think that's yeah, yeah. you know, when 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 an accusation is repeated enough, you you have to address it in some in some way. I think, 
Um, so let's get back to um, let's get back to. I think we've covered some good ground here. I I do want to bring it back to Vermont, and I want to bring it back to local action. You know, so what is the strategy around the in your in your opinions here? A strategy around um, asking cities or or the state here to participate in this kind of um, divestment. Over 30 states have introduced or passed laws essentially outline <laughs> supporting BDS. So as a whole, the country seems to be moving the opposite direction. Um, th- those those laws usually have you know pertain to state state workers or something, not necessarily private citizens. Um, well, those laws are all different. And um, and some of them are being challenged in the courts. A lot of them have to do with um, with divesting. For instance, um, the Ben and Jerry's um, boycott resulted in Ben and Jerry's coming out with a statement in July of this year saying they were going to not renew the contract of their Israeli licensee and stop selling ice cream in the settlements in the occupied territory. Mm -hmm. And um, as uh, immediately there was a huge backlash from Zionists and the state of Israel itself actually um, uh, was it the, um, not the prime minister, I'm sorry, I forget who actually wrote to all of the state legislatures in the United States who had um, who had Republican um, uh, who were Republicans um, asking, asking them, telling them they must um, make laws to make to boycott Unilever to divest from boycott and Unilever because of what Ben and Jerry's had done, which, uh, you know, is pretty amazing that an Israeli, a high level Israeli official is telling state legislatures in the United States what to do. Yeah. Or even ask, it's absurd. I mean, can you imagine if it was, uh, you know, China or North Korea or any country, basically, you know, even Ireland for the love of God writing, you know, people would be like, Hey, this isn't your country. Get out. Like, exactly. You know, I think it was Naftali Bennett, the new prime minister, actually asked Biden, President Biden, um, to strengthen sanctions on Iran and not to have uh, ne- negotiations on the Iran agreement. I, the, uh, this was in the past week. You know, and, and Netanyahu came here and uh, tried to, to tell us what to do. It's not, it's not new. It's not new that Israelis are trying to the Israeli government is trying to make our foreign policy. It's definitely not new. I think in the last decade, there has been a, um, what, what uh, I would say is breaking new ground when, when the Israeli government is entering state politics as opposed to national affairs. But you're, you're right. I mean, they, they, they have been present in the past but what's well, interesting it, to me is see, to see the intervention at the state and local level, or even what happened in the local Burlington, you know, uh, in the, when when Burlington tried to pass their resolution, the the backlashes is, is amazing, and not not just from non-state actors. Right, but 
you know, um, there are a number of Israeli consulates in the United States, three or four of them. One is in Boston, the New England Israeli consulate. That um, that person travels all over New England. He's come to Vermont repeatedly and met with uh, T.J. Donovan. And just to have friendly meetings and make sure that relations between the state of Vermont and the state of Israel remain friendly. And um, we have objected to that. It's um, it's on on the one hand, because um, I've been involved with JVP on um, on issues around getting the state police, preventing our police forces in the state of Vermont from training from going to yeah. Israel for training, right? And um, ultimately, that decision uh, decisions about law enforcement, of course, rest with the attorney general in the in the state. So, um, so we've met with him about this, but. Um, so I guess, you know, your question about bringing it back to local issues and what can we do, I think what would be really useful would be to look look at a um, uh, divestment, getting look at um, the portfolios of like the state pension plan and try to make sure make sure that if there are any investments in Israeli companies or companies that that are operating in Israel or supporting the state of Israel, that divestment from them happened. I think it's really important to have local discussion about this issue, um, which is something that the Burlington Resolution did do, but um, but not very productively. And I, I think we need to do something concrete and educate around that concrete action. We're also very involved in in Ben and Jerry's and supporting Ben and Jerry's to hold fast until the end of 2022 to follow through with this decision because they are getting pressure from, I mean, what's happening now is states are saying, okay, we're going to divest 20, 20 well, billion dollars. They're, they're, they're essentially uh, divesting from the people who are trying to divest. And so now they've got a real mess on yeah. their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Even though BDS is being called illegal in the other direction, um, they're, they're doing it to punish Ben and Jerry's and Unilever. Um, if, by the way, if the state of Vermont, I haven't heard anything about this in the state legislature. If that they would try to pass um, an IHRA or a um, an anti um, mm, no, I have not heard of that either. I, I I can assure you, if if they do try to do that, that would be a wonderful opening for us to um, <laughs> to, to do a lot of organizing and education because this because you know if you talk about things in Vermont. This connects with so many things that this issue, it's not, it's not just Israel, Palestine, you know, we are um, making alliances with immigration groups, with uh, black, uh, black lives matter and anti-racist groups who are very supportive of BDS and, and, and the black liberation movement has always been from you know, from the civil rights movement has always been supportive of Palestinian liberation and the South so, African 
movement as well, right? You mentioned we mentioned that at the top, right? I mean, they 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 understood the 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 similarities and the solidarity between what they were trying to struggle against and and with what the Palestinians are struggling against. And I, and I think this whole issue of anti-Semitism and in Vermont, people think it's a big issue. I haven't seen huge issues of anti-Semitism here, although there have been incidents, of course. And, um, you know, it's also being used by the right. It, it's, it's easily used by the right to, you know, Keep keep our money right in Israel and keep and and one of the one of the big issues is weaponry and um, how Israel is a huge uh, arms dealer and that actually was one of the purposes of deadly exchange which we were just talking about where uh, police would go to Israel mm-hmm. uh, and and some Vermont police did go. And the Woodstock chief of police was called out for it by people in Woodstock. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they're shown a rosy picture <laughs> of how right. well the Palestinians are treated. And, um, but, but part of that is to um, deal weapons, to sell weapons to... Yeah, they, they visit munitions and surveillance manufacturer right. factories. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. They're not just going to get. They're not just going to get training. They're also going right. to get, you know, uh, the a sales more- a sales tour of of the latest um, right. goods and. But, it, but this also works with the climate movement because the military is among the biggest polluters, if not the biggest polluter in the world. So all you can see how all these issues are connected. Right. And all the money we spend. You know, the United States spends far more money than Russia or China on um, on the military combined. I think, and, and we're, we just <laughs> yeah. voted voted in the biggest military budget I think Ever. in the history of the United States. Yeah. yeah. So, but but you know, we see all these issues as connected, and and that is one of the reasons we see this as a Vermont issue as well. Right. And, well, we and, don't live in a siloed world where, you know, you can just kind of farm and forget about the world, you know? It's the globalized economy. Well, both both NOFA Vermont and, and rural Vermont are very strong Palestine solidarity workers um they they see connections between the difficulties palestinians have farming their own land um it, they see similarities parallels yeah i mean people get it in vermont and uh, migrant justice as well yeah is support all right so i think we're out of time this has been great i want to just say so can people get involved in the in the JVP? You said it, it's 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 you accept Gentiles as well into your Absolutely. your organization. Yes, non Jews. Yeah, I, I yeah. know. I'm just being silly because I because you're a Gentile. Because I'm a Gentile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, yeah, please join us. And everyone and, and listening. How, Liz? Listen. How? 
Well, you can go to the um, JVP website, which is jvp.org. And um, you, there's a, a lot of menus there that you can check out. And you can, uh, we don't have one yet. We're working on one for the Vermont, New Hampshire chapter. Uh, but you can, um, you can even donate. <laughs> but you can also um, ask them how to get in touch with the people in Vermont. Why don't we, why don't we put that on to the, whatever you're going to yeah 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 the show notes yeah show notes thank you show notes (laughs) you're you're, uh, such a professional and and, Uh, you know we are they should people look out for uh webinars that we're trying to produce that was gonna be my next question is what types of events do you have how often are they you know i'm assuming a lot of it's remotely especially because you're in two states and there's this pandemic thing people still seem to be concerned about for some reason for the pandemic, we um, met with um, we've met with Bernie's staff twice, once before and one once after. Um, and um, I have to say that I think that Bernie Sanders is the best member of the Senate on this issue. There are other people in the House, but as far as the Senate goes, Bernie is by far and away the best person. And he's Bernie's come a long way too. Um, so we're we're trying to do webinars. We're going to keep working on Ben and Jerry's divestment, as Kathy mentioned before. We've um, we've shown films in the past, and you know we're trying to create dialogue with people so they understand what the reality is and why we should change these policies, and also to really explain why anti-Zionism is not the same as anti-Semitism. That's something that's really important to us because, you know, we're called anti-Semites too. Right. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Kathy? Um, uh, no, I, I think um, just people who are interested should um, keep their eyes open. Vermonters for Justice in Palestine is another way to get involved. Um, uh, Another group that's been around for a lot longer, but also is not meeting. Um, But they have a monthly Zoom meeting that people can join. So, um, and there's a lot of, I mean, as you might know, Burlington has a sister city, project with Bethlehem. Um, there are I a lot did of, not know that, actually. You didn't know that. Okay, yeah, Burlington Sister City Project. For many, many years, probably from the 80s or early 90s. Wow. Yeah. And there are a lot of churches doing doing work with Palestine. The Episcopal Peace Fellowship and the, the Episcopal Diocese in Burlington have been incredible. They I'm working um, on getting them on the show next good. or soon. That's great. So That's yeah. Great. yeah. 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 And um yeah, it's just it's all very difficult right now. Everything is is kind of in slow motion because who wants to do a webinar really? But um well especially when your job is sitting in front of a computer doing web like Zoom meetings. It's like at night, like I just I like we went to um I had a, a meeting a couple nights ago. It was in person in Burlington, and we were wearing masks, so it wasn't that exciting. But it was so refreshing to not just be looking at a Zoom screen and meeting some of these people in, in person. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's it's awful. All right. So well, we're, yeah, we're looking to do a webinar um, in uh, in the next few months, and okay. hopefully we'll um, we'll have a, a website by then, and we can let you know. Perfect. All right, Kathy, Liz, oh, one, one more thing. thing. Uh, Jewish Voice for Peace, JVP, has another arm called JVP Action, which um, is ab about um, lobbying and uh, putting pressure on Congress. So that that's another um, arm that, of, of Jewish Voice for Peace that... Um, to work on Congress and on state legislatures and on local legislatures. All right. I'm really ending it this time. Okay. Liz, okay. <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a very enlightening um, conversation. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us, Anthony. Thank you very much for inviting us. <laughs>